Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. you what, if you dug up folk who's been gone for 50 plus years, they'd be wondering, where are the underground saloons? You know, the illegal betting dens, the Phillips Highway bordellos. They'd also be wondering where a speakeasy is. And that's exactly what we got today from Jaguars general manager, Trent Bulky. A speak easy session. 30 plus minutes with the local media. I want to congratulate Trent Bulky for talking with us today. Uh, It was warranted. It was expected. Certainly in my world, he should have done it about two weeks ago, but he did it today. And I thought it was very informative. I got more out of it than I expected going in. I think we've learned much about this football team as we continuously talk and we head towards what I believe is going to be the most fascinating Jacksonville Jaguar offseason in franchise history. It's great to have you with us alongside the incomparable J.J. LaSalva. My name is Rick Ballou. With you tonight till 8. For starters, I understand why Trent Baalke still has a job. And... I also understand why I think he's probably going to be able to hold on to his job. He's a phenomenal salesman. He has the ability to tell you, and in this case, tell Shad Khan exactly what he wants to hear. Uh, He has us believing the outside noise, the criticism, whether it's on the field, off the field, somewhere in between. He's not aware of it. He's not concerned about it. He doesn't read it. He doesn't listen to it. I don't believe that. Not at all. I, I thought a couple of times today, particularly with the hiring of, uh, of Ryan Nielsen as the new defensive coordinator, uh, that he showed his true colors. As clever as Balky is, I, I kind of saw between the lines there. He's fully aware of what has been said. And, and I did meet Ryan Nielsen today. Uh, for the very first time, right after the press conference, Doug Peterson uh, was walking with Ryan Nielsen throughout the Miller Electric Center. Just a quick hello and uh, and welcome to Duval. Apparently, he was out on vacation over at Disney World and uh, took the short trip over here from Orlando to to get things, uh, you know, at least underway to get things assorted with his new responsibility of uh, of trying to now take over this Jaguars defense. But back to Trent Baalke, I, I, liked, I liked his approach today, okay? 
Now, how believable is everything? Uh, that's what it's all about, okay? They're, they're never going to air out dirty laundry. They're never going to fill our ears with negativity. And if you want to say it's lying or embellishment, that's fine. I look at it a little bit more as gamemanship. You're not going to tell everyone exactly what is going on as far as things uh, that are not rock solid. There's been so much about this and that and Doug Peterson wanting this guy and not wanting to fire that guy and Trent Baalke forcing the hand when it came to a guy like uh, like Ryan Nielsen. Well, Baalke today came absolutely uh, straight out. As a matter of fact, let's play that to get things going. This is number one. Uh, really the first thing he said today of importance with, with all the rumors that whether it's Press Taylor, whether it's Ryan Nielsen, and whether or not Doug Peterson and Trent Bulky are on the same page, the general manager had this to say earlier. Probably even more so, you know. Uh, you know, when you go through tough times, you find out a lot about a lot of people, you know, and the season didn't end the way we wanted it to. Uh, we, we had some strong conversations throughout the year, kind of where things were at and what we were, you know, where things were trending. Uh, so great communication, great collaboration, and really respect uh, him and, and everything that he does. Uh, so I, I don't think there's any, a lot of what's written, a lot of the narratives that are out there are just false, plain and simple, false narratives. So then again, he doesn't read, he doesn't listen, but he's aware. So, you know, I mean, I've, I've done this for a little bit of time now. And I think Trent Bulky is a listener. I think he's aware of what goes on on this radio station. I think he's well aware of what goes on with the writers here in town who cover this football team. It's, it's very easy to say that you're not in tune. It's such a great out. I don't believe it. And there were a couple of examples today where I thought Trent Bulky, um made a misstep when it came to that. And that's really irrelevant in the long you know, in the long procedure of things. It's about getting better, okay? And again, overall, I thought it was a good effort today by Trent Baalke. He told us that that's not the case. The relationship is fine. He was fully on board with the hiring of Ryan Nielsen. He was involved in the meetings, but it was Doug Peterson. And as I said yesterday, I've always been under the belief that it is Trent Baalke who brings in the talent. It's Trent Bulky who makes the draft selections and makes the free agent acquisitions. It is Doug Peterson who puts together his coaching staff. And that was the first part of the presser today that was confirmed by Trent Bulky, that that is exactly the case. Now, again, whether you want to believe that or not, that's you. That's your opinion. But he stated it uh, earlier this afternoon or actually later on. Uh, this morning, and I, I, I thought that that was um, interesting uh, to hear him get into it that way. All right, a lot of good things came out of this, and uh, the, I, I, I think the one issue that is concerning for me when it comes to Trent Bulky is not enough of looking into the mirror. He is really good at having an answer for every question, okay? 
And he's also really good about whether it's directly or indirectly placing the blame on someone else. And you know, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say he's literally taking people and throwing them under the bus. Uh, you know, I think that would be kind of child, you know, kind of childish for me to say it in, in, in that manner. But it's almost as if, hey, I brought you the players. Coach them up. I brought you the players. Develop them. Uh, you need to get stronger. You need to get more physical. I mean, how many times did we hear that today? Bigger, stronger, more physical. That's high school. That's, that's college. The old college football that we used to know with, with redshirt freshmen and freshmen and sophomores. Get them in the weight room. Are you kidding me? At this level? At the professional level? You're openly talking about how you're not physical enough at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, someone like me who's been sitting in this chair forever and has been yelling year after year after year after year, fix your offensive line. It's soft. Fix your offensive line. It's slow and friendly. And no, 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 no. We're going to go get a tight end. No, 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 no. We're going to go get a back. No, no, no. We're going to go get a pass rush guy who's not even going to be active on game day. So there's some of that that I got from Trent Baalke today. Not not enough. I made a mistake. I should have drafted. And I even asked him later. You know, I I asked him if he would change. And I knew he wasn't. Going to say, yeah, that's a great point, Baloo. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm absolutely going to change my total uh, ways around as far as developing this team or building this team, and uh, because I am on the hot seat, I didn't expect him to come out with that. But when I asked him if if things would change, because and and what I mean by this, I I want you to understand. He made fringe picks a year ago. He returned 20 to 21 starters. Really, the only replacement was Anton Harrison. You also added Calvin Ridley. The entire defense returned, and for the most part, the entire offense returned. So this team just pushed it forward. We have our roster. We have our players. We were 9-8 and a year ago, won a playoff game, probably could have won a second playoff game if Christian Kirk caught a ball and Jamal Agnew didn't fumble the ball. We're going to just stay on the path. And, and obviously, you saw what happened. But instead of making decisions that would have helped this team immediately, like more bulk in that offensive line, like more bulk in that defensive line, he chose fringe picks. You know, a tight end. Well, Luke Farrell's your blocking tight end. Evan Ingram had his most productive year yet, and one of the most productive years in the history uh, of a Jacksonville Jaguar. I understand that Strange was hurt, and you can't blame a young kid uh, for getting injured, but that was a fringe pick. I don't care who you are. You, you can't accurately say to me, well, I support this pick. Yeah, I like the tight end situation, especially after giving Evan Ingram a long-term contract extension. It, it's pretty simple. There were several other roster spots, several other roster positions that needed an upgrade before you got to tight end. Sank, you know, same with Tank Bigsby. And no one loved Bigsby more than I did in the month of August. And I was reminded of it last night. If I was to list the five players at the Miller Electric Center who had the best August on the Jaguars' 90-man roster, 
And if you remember the media and you were out there, as I was each and every day, if you put together your top five and didn't have Tank Bigsby on it, you're wrong. He was that good. He was incredible. Okay, And then it fell apart for him. But again, those are fringe picks. A fourth-round redshirt with Miller. A fourth-round, basically, very little snap count for Lacey. You know, a fifth-round selection where you don't put him on the field, an undersized pass rush defensive end. So it, it just it, – I got that today instead of I didn't do my job. And that's why I asked him, do you change this year? Do you try to find two, three, four starters immediately in the draft? He went on to say it doesn't work that way. You know, and, and Detroit has had success with these first-round picks – but that's not a typical way that it works in the NFL. And Trent Baalke said that as well. I, I disagree. I do disagree. And I don't want to be redundant, but there were several ways that he could have addressed this draft a year ago to make it more about a need as opposed to what I term really a fringe type of pick. You know, almost like you're the New England Patriots or you're the current Kansas City Chiefs and, you know, you're going to the AFC championship game every year and you can afford to make a selection like that. This team couldn't. And it came back and it hurt them. Um, Jacksonville did a really good job in the offseason of freeing up a ton of money. They restructured many contracts. They had more than enough money under the salary cap. I've been told years ago that Shad Khan will never say no to a football-related decision, that Shad Khan is liquid. If you get to Shad Khan, you tell him, we need this player, we need this player, and we need this player, you need to give him a signing bonus, Shad Khan is going to sign it. He has never said no to a football-related decision. Trent Baalke created all this money and he didn't use it. I asked him a little bit earlier today uh, about that, about being in a situation where you really could have helped this football team. Here's uh, yours truly, Rick Ballou, and the Jaguars general manager, Trent Baalke. Trent, during the offseason, you restructured a lot of big contracts and had plenty of money under the cap. Why didn't you address the pass rush? There were plenty of veterans out there that could have helped this football team. Well, I think when you say plenty, I'd like to know the names. Well, you know, Clowney, Floyd, well, it, again, we brought Clowney in. He chose to go in another direction. So uh, Clowney? I'm not saying that. We got in discussions with him. I'm not going to talk about what we did or didn't do, but we got into discussions with him and had him on, on campus. He was here for a visit. So I could have continued with that list. There were several others, and you're aware of that, the great Jaguar fans. I mean, it's been a talking point here the entire off-season and in-season. They just took that money with them. And I, I find it hard to believe that Shad Khan is one of those owners where Trent Bulky can say, hey, you know, I could have spent $17 million more this year, and I didn't. You know, we'll just take that money with us uh, to 2025 or to 2024. It, you could have used the money, and it would have been off the books for 2024. I, I, I don't believe that Shad Khan has Trent Bulky in a hold where now can we get away with, uh, you know, getting something out of chase on? 
can we get away with having something uh, from um, Dewan Smoot? Can we, can we get away with you know going out and, and drafting a guy late uh, in the fifth round? And I don't believe that that's the case. So it was money that was sitting there, right? And for you and I, it's monopoly money. But it's money that was available. And he didn't use it. It just sat there. And when you end up being a game short of the playoffs and you see what ended up happening outside of Allen and Walker and no pass rush, yes, there's going to be plenty of questions. And, I, you know, I mentioned names. He had Clowney in the building. Okay. Why did you let him leave the building without signing a contract? Did you poor man him? Did you undervalue him? Did Javon Clowney look at him and say, uh-uh, nah, I don't want to play here in Jacksonville. This is a losing franchise. I- I'm here for one reason and one reason only, to up the ante where I'm going to get paid elsewhere. Hey, could have been the case, right? Absolutely. Could have been the case. But my point is, if you really wanted the JV and Clowney, don't let him leave the building. Pay him a one-year deal. Pay him. Pay Leonard Floyd. Give him a one-year deal. Pay the return of Unique in Gakwe. Give him a one-year deal. And he elected not to. That's very disappointing. And, you know, that part of it I I do not understand. But that was his selling point. He gave us many reasons. Where they get combined out of their backup defensive ends? I think it was three sacks. In 17 games? I mean, think about that. That's all you have. And it's what you have is good enough, you know, for starters, no doubt. It's one of the best defensive end pass rush combinations in the NFL with Josh Allen and the improving Trayvon Walker. But there was zero depth, none whatsoever. And this was a monumental mistake uh, as far as I'm concerned when it came to what Trent Bulky did today. All right, I got much more to do on this. Uh, as we go to the offensive side, again, really uh, happy that he said it, happy that there was uh, a conversation, that he was transparent, but again, he, I'm not seeing what he's saying. The whole conversation about the offensive line, I want to come out of the other side and, and get into that because it's fascinating to me. I mean, it's not on Luke Fortner. It's more systematic. So what does that mean? The system isn't right? Well, why didn't you fire Phil Rauscher? Why is your offensive line coach still here if it's systematic? You fired the assistant offensive line coach which 99.99999% of the listeners right now have no idea who it was. Every single year, okay, or the last couple of years, even though they've played winning football, the offensive line's been awful. And that had to improve. They made this big deal about coming out with rank 31st, and you can go to, You can go to any type of analytics, pro football, all the way across the board. There's no other way to say it, okay? There's no other way. The Jaguars' offensive line sucks. There's no other way to say it. 
Okay? None. And it's systematic? Well, if that's your job, fix it. Get in a coach that will change the system. Get in some players. You talk about iron sharpens iron. You're soft. You've been soft. I yell about this every year, not because I got nothing better to do, but it's because it's the truth. You're not going to win in this league without a great offensive line. And it's the worst part of your football systematic. I have more thoughts on this coming up. On the other side, as always, we will grab your thoughts at 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. All right, Shmunez Vision. They bring you our opening comments each and every night. Went back and forth today with Dr. Neil Shmunez. Uh, always a joy uh, to get with him. And what an outstanding family practice, right? That includes Dr. Catherine Shmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, all cataract surgery, all refractive surgery, regardless of what it may be that involves your eyes, okay? You need to look at things and take things seriously. And I I just hate how it feels like it's being neglected uh, in a lot of circles, honestly. Other parts of our body, whatever, you go immediately to a doctor. With your eyes, it's like, ah, you know, I'll get to it next week. I'll get to it next month. Uh Uh-uh. You can't allow more time to go by. I want you to go to their website because it's fantastic. ShmunezVision.com. Everything explained for you right there, whether it's cataract surgery, whether it is a, a, a major medical issue. Again, he performed surgery on my right eye eight and a half years ago. Had it done the very next day, and there's never been a setback. Sure, you need your eyes checked and maybe an update with your contacts or glasses, but it's so much more than that. You need to be able to trust the right people here in Jacksonville. Those people are Schmunez at Schmunez Vision. Check them out online. Again, just go to Schmunez Vision. All right, we got plenty to do. We're with you tonight till 8 o'clock. Best way for you to join us is the text line, 641-1010. That's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Yeah, I, I don't live in re- with regrets. I don't. That's not how I operate. You know, are there decisions you you look back on and say, what, what if we would have done this? What if we would have done that? Shoulda, wouldas, and couldas all got beat. You know, uh, you do the best you can. We felt we had a pretty competitive football team coming back. We still feel we had a pretty competitive football team coming back. The season didn't go our way. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Trent Falke, general manager of your Jacksonville Jaguars, spoke with us today, and I do appreciate his effort, his time. I thought it was informative. Um, Do I feel differently tonight compared to last night? I do. I really do. Um, I'm convinced that Trent Falke has Shad Khan believing how much better this franchise is today compared to the end of the Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone era. And admittedly, I think that gets lost with me at times, forgetting first pick, followed up by the first pick. You know, instead it's nine and eight and it's nine and eight. And it's a playoffs two years ago and then just the absolute, 
just demolition of this football team, losing five out of their last six, still a winning franchise. And the media, myself included, was a huge part of changing the way you thought about this football team. We're 9-8, and eight, not making the playoffs. If you look at the history of this organization, that's pretty good. You know, that's been around for, what, 29 years? Would you, where would you put that? 8, 9, 10 all time? That's pretty good. It's a losing franchise. But with the expectations this year, it, it is absolutely soured. And on top of that, you ran it back with the same guys. And now that appears to have been a, a really big problem. I don't care where you are or what you do in any line of business, you always have to be look you always have to be looking to get better, right? I mean, isn't that just the way things are in life? You're always looking to get better. But Jacksonville caught lightning in the bottle. And to come back and win those games the way they did a year ago, I mean, four of those come from behind wins. You were trailing in the second half by double digits or more down 27 nothing against LAC, and you come back and you win, it's like, yeah, oh, we did that, right? Oh, that happened. All these guys are coming back. Trevor's a year older. Instead, we forget about just how incredibly healthy that football team was in 2022. You lost Shaq Griffin in week five. You lost Ben Barch pretty early. You lost Cam Robinson pretty late. Outside of that, You were a healthy football team. That was not the case this year. You had injuries across the football team, including your quarterback. So I think that's a mistake, and I don't think he'll do the same thing uh, this year. I I think there'll be a lot of comings and and quite a few goings. Uh, But what I got today from Trent Bulky is that you have an owner here who's invisible. So – I I don't know, and it's aggravating. It's very aggravating. I don't know who he goes to for information. I just, I don't. I mean, on the business side, obviously, he's going to talk with the president of the organization and Mark Lamping. On the football side of things, I imagine he's talking to his son, who's very busy, right? He's busy, he's busy with wrestling. He's busy with soccer. He's busy with the Jaguars. And he's obviously talking with Trent Bulky, but... I have been under this feeling since the end of the year that the reason why Bulky stayed on is that Shad Khan, regardless of what happens this year, okay, if it doesn't meet expectations, that's it, in that they're both gone. Do it at the same time. You know, this organization needs to stop being half pregnant. Get in line. You can't have a interim general manager taking five-plus weeks to decide on your head coach when you brought him in immediately. Okay, that reeks. That, that says to me, Doug Peterson was never his guy. And, and, and frankly, I don't care who looks at me and tells me that I'm wrong there. My mind is made up. It took five-plus weeks. Okay? That, that's clown's work. Five Plus weeks. And it went away because they won. Well, now it's resurfacing because everyone's kind of looking over their shoulder. 
here and there. So I've kind of thought all along, if it doesn't work, you can just blow the whole thing up and start over. Start from scratch. I'm telling you, listening to Bulky today, if I'm a betting man and I'm not, my bet is this. He sticks around next year as well. He tells Shad Khan what Shad Khan wants to hear. And I don't think Shad Khan knows enough about football to be able to figure things out differently. Honestly. That's not a rip on Shad Khan. The guy's worth $12.2 billion. He's a wonderful businessman. He's very intelligent. But a lot of football guys are, 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 are guys that, you know, started at the very lowest spot and worked their way up, and they know the game. They know the nuances of the game. They know the nuances of the people, football people. There are owners in this league who are hands-on, and a lot of times it blows up in their face. Just look at what's going on with Tepper right now in Carolina. Would you want an Ursay? here in town, uh, the way that he runs things in Indianapolis. So this isn't a rip of Shad Khan. I just don't think he's a football guy. All right? I just don't think he is. Maybe he's become one. And, again, he's not, he's not visible. He doesn't talk to us outside of that release for London. We, we have no idea what Shad Khan is thinking. He spoke to us a year ago after they won a playoff game here down in the bowels of the stadium. But I told you all along, you know, the business side and the football side, are they, are they head-to-head right now? Are they, uh, are they holding hands? Please. No. If so, they would have had this meeting two weeks ago. Mark Lamping and his staff is going to be touring the city asking for money. A billion bucks. A billion Dollars. I'll pay it. Tax the hell out of me. I want football here. My livelihood depends upon it. Okay? Even if I get whacked, even if I'm too critical, and they say we can't have someone like you on these airwaves, your truth is too much of the truth. You gone. I still want a new stadium here in town. I still want the Jaguars to stay. How in the hell do you ask for money now? So they're not on the same page. The business side is not on the same side with the football side. And Shad Khan could have made it very easy. He could have come out immediately and said, this is not acceptable. We're fixing it. Thank you, fans. The great fans. Thank you. We're fixing it. And then a few weeks later, come out and say, we're asking. You people would forgive. I know you people. I know the sports fans of Jacksonville. I know who you are. Okay, it's your drug. You're going to come back. Every time you tell me I'm gone, that's it. Never. Trent Baalke's the general manager. There's no way I'm buying season. You're going to buy the season tickets. Don't lie to me. You can lie to your wife. You can lie to your bot. Don't lie to me. What are you gaining from by lying to me? You're going to come back. It's only the 25th day of January, for crying out loud. Think about it when it's February 25th. It is March 25th. What's it going to be like in the dog days of June and July? You're going to be starving for football. You're coming back. But they missed an opportunity. 
by handling this the right way, by coming right out and telling you what you want to hear. Trent Bulky's press conference today told us what Shad Khan wants to hear. It's now time for Shad Khan to tell Jaguar fans what they want to hear. you got to fix this thing. Trent Bulky made a big deal about how it's so easy to go from a losing team to a competitive team, but how difficult it is to go from a competitive team to a championship team. He thought he had a championship team. He sat on the 2022 roster. He was wrong. People are wrong in this business all the time. The Press-Taylor situation is quirky. The Press-Taylor situation is one that, frankly, I do not believe. Okay, I, I, I think that there's a, a lot of friction there. I think there's a lot of animosity there. Um, my guess is that they wanted a change there. The change did not happen. Doug Peterson remains incredibly loyal to the young offensive coordinator slash play caller. Uh, today... Trent Baalke was asked about all of the rumors, all of everything that has gone on that has involved Press Taylor. Coach and I and ownership, you know, we, we talked throughout the year. We've talked uh, through about everything. And uh, those discussions, you know, will remain private, you know. But at the end of the day, like I said, Coach owns the, the coaching staff. And he's held responsible for that coaching staff. And I can tell you this, I support every decision that he makes, 100%. You know, we have discussions, we get through with the discussions, whether it's the draft, free agency, coaches, personnel staff, support staff, we go through the process and we talk about everything. And at the end of the day, once the decision's made, we make it, we, go, we move on. So I'm 100% behind anything coach decides because I've been factored into it. I've been a part of those discussions. I don't believe that. Um, I understand his answer. It's the, it's the right thing to do under the circumstances. It's the correct move. It's the professional move, right? I mean, why make this any worse? But I, I feel pretty confident in, in my understanding that, to me, this is not believable. I, I think if you look at what was said today and the comments that were made today about how the Jaguars need to get bigger, stronger, and more physical, how the offensive line was on an individual problem when it came to Luke Fortner. It was more of a systematic issue. Okay. Um, those are examples of Trent Bulky saying, it's not on me. It's on you. It's on strength and conditioning. It's on developing. It's on coaching. The players are there. You're not doing your job. And he, he talked about the defensive staff, and they're gone. So he fired the defensive staff. He also fired a couple of offensive coaches, but he didn't get after the root of the problem. Okay? That is the offensive line. It, it, it feels like in town... 
everything is on Press Taylor that even great Jaguar football fans forget about Phil Rauscher in this offensive line. When you say it's systematic and not an individual player, how do you – I mean, what, what is your overall feeling? I'm asking you now, the listener. Systematic – well, what in the hell does that mean? System. I remember I got criticized in, uh, in August for, for tweeting out that uh, Devon Hamilton just put uh, Luke Fortner uh, through, an open, through an open window into the practice facility at the Miller Electric Center. And some people, oh, Blue, you know, it's hot out there. You're just having a bad day. Or but It happened. He got blown up. We saw it in August. Luke Fortner can't pass protect. It's systematic. It's not systematic. He's weak. He's not strong. What are you going to do? Put him in the weight room and tell him to, to lift more weights? He came in here as a 24-year-old. He took advantage of six years. At Kentucky, because of COVID, he's weak, okay? I don't know if you can fix weakness. Maybe get him with Cam Robinson's doctor and, and, and get him some, I don't know, you know, get the man. Maybe he gets popped for four games. If, if he gets, at least he's getting stronger. How in the hell is being weak systematic? You're going to go from 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 a zone style of blocking to I don't know more man to man blocking and then all of a sudden that's gonna is that what systematic is baffling and again all the knowledge is on press Taylor all the thoughts are on press Taylor not enough on the line you're not gonna win until you fix that line year three with Luke Fortner that's a problem okay. Right next to his name, right I'm going to put an X through it. That's a problem. If you're walking out with Luke Fortner as your starting center for the 2024 Jacksonville Jaguars, that's a problem. We'll see if they fix it. All right, we got much more to do. 641-1010, getting just a ton in. I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds are coming in. Uh, on the text line, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Jacksonville, uh, no one is more appreciative and no one is more interactive with our listeners on a nightly basis than JJ and I am. We appreciate it. A ton of good stuff who's, uh, is coming in tonight. We're going to get to much of them coming up here in just a little bit on your home of the Jacks. I truly believe in Luke as a guy that can, has what it takes to play the position and play it well. He's shown signs of doing that. This was not necessarily one player's issues. This was a systematic issue. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Repeat after me. The Jaguars will never take the next step until they make the offensive line the priority behind only Trevor Lawrence within the organization. 
I know I say it all the time, but it's the way that I feel. You can tell me about skill guys and pass rushers and great cover corners and sick linebackers and amazing tight ends. Give me, give me an offensive line that is so nasty. Just give it to me. I don't have an offensive line like that old Broncos offensive line that didn't talk to the media. I love an offensive line that just kind of took it upon themselves and maybe they didn't even shower, or at least that was their motto. Um, but they were five really tough guys. And no one is going to touch my quarterback. And it's third and one or third and two and fourth and one. There's no doubt you're picking up a first down. No doubt. Trent Bulky again today told us that team couldn't run and late in the year couldn't stop the run. You listen to Trent Bulky and what he's been about. He's a tough man's football general manager. He's got the old school run and stop the run. Let's be tough. That's his identity. This football team was anything but that this past year. And, and, and what did we learn today? It's systematic. The belly, the interior offensive line was just terrible. I mean, just awful. And also, I haven't even gotten to it today. Quick, who's your starting left tackle? Who's the starting left tackle for the Jaguars, J.J., when they open up the season in 2024? Who do I think is what on the Jaguars in twenty? Starting left tackle. Uh, I was going to say Cam until today, <laughs> but he was like, so he was answered the Josh Allen question immediately, like Josh Allen will be here, but then they brought up Cam and he was like, hey, I don't want to talk about players coming and going. I'm like, oh my god, Cam is gone. And then he also talked about Anton potentially playing left tackle. So I think it's going to be Anton. Thank you. For all of those who believe that this press conference wasn't going to be telling, okay, what J.J. just said speaks volumes and volumes and volumes. Bulky's a really smart guy, but he got caught a few times today. He got caught there. He gushed about Josh Allen. It's either going to be a tag or a bag, right? He's getting a one-year tag or he's getting a three- or four-year contract extension. Give him what he wants. That's happening. Trent Bulky told us Josh Allen is returning. Immediately after, what about Cam Robinson? Oh, I'm not going to talk about. What does that tell you? Tells me he's got an opportunity to bring back $17,750,000 for a guy who selfishly got popped for four games. And has been injured in the last three seasons. I, you can't trust Cam Robinson when it comes to your health. What's the other part of this equation? Because you right now, you, you could probably get even odds. If I threw it out there, and before today, it would have been a two-man race. Before today, if I asked you who you thought the starting left tackle would be in September of 2024, you would have said Walker Little or Cam Robinson. Well, today you can say Walker Little, Cam Robinson, and Anton Harrison. 
or what? Cam Robinson, Anton Harrison, and Walker Little. You could make a case for all three. <clears throat> now, you know, one of my other real issues is that, and 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 this goes back. You know, this is probably league wide, in a lot of circles, because I think that that top football men feel as though they know so much more than everyone else. But we have witnessed this organization through several changes at the top make mistakes by drafting guys in positions they play in college and then asking them to play a different position at the NFL level. You don't learn on the job in the NFL, right? At least you're not supposed to. Well, you took a guy who had 23 starts, 22 at left tackle at Oklahoma, and you made him play right tackle. Well, now instead of, are you going to give Walker Little a contract extension? Are you going to stay with Cam Rock? The feeling becomes, oh, maybe it's Anton Harrison is your future left tackle. Let's see what Walker Little can do over at the right tackle position. Same story. They drafted him out of Stanford. He put as a true freshman at Stanford at left tackle. He shattered his knee. He sat out a year because of COVID. He came in with not a ton of games under his belt. And what was the immediate deal for him? Try to win that right tackle spot, a spot he's not familiar with, with Juwan Taylor. I mean, you would just think they'd bring a guy in and place him at a position he played. I guess they did that with Cam. I'll give him credit there. They did that with Cam Robinson. So we learned about that today. I I also feel today we we learned about you know learned a lot about Calvin Ridley. Uh, my belief is Trent Bulky's gonna try to do absolutely everything that he can to keep him around. Because I think Calvin Ridley is a player that if you have to win this year. You have a better chance of winning with Calvin Ridley than you do without Calvin Ridley, if that makes any sense. And I'm saying that under the assumption that Zay Jones is gone and Jamal Agnew is gone. You know, right now the wide receivers, you line up next year, it's, it, it's Kirk in the slot, it's Ridley on one side. You need another guy. You got Parker Washington, who's more of a slot guy, backup slot guy. I actually think Parker Washington has a chance to be a, a pretty good football player. But you're going to have to address that. I think we were able to learn that today uh, as well. Wow, already up on the top of the hour. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Come on back. I want to get to a lot of your stuff. I really do. Um, a ton of great responses that are rolling in on our text line. You can join that as well. 641-1010. That's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Bill Belichick. Man, it looks like he's not going to get that job in Atlanta. Reports have Raheem Morris taking over the former defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. So, you know, Belichick apparently interviewed a couple of times, but somehow they could not get a deal done. So that is in tonight as well. Morris taking over for the Atlanta Falcons. We've got much more to do, including our second hour. It's coming up on the other side. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, real busy hour tomorrow night as well, 6 to 8. That should be a heck of a lot of fun. Later in the hour, we go to Vegas. We'll check in with Raphael 
Esparza. Uh, Championship Sunday plus presidential odds have changed a little bit. So we'll get into that with our good friend. That's coming up in about 45 minutes. Uh, I do want to get to you. Getting a ton in today. The 4006. Uh, 4006 boy, they're definitely not getting rid of Agnew. He's the only playmaker on the team. One of the only playmakers on the team. He broke his leg in the last play trying to win. Um, I'd be surprised, uh, or I can't believe that they would get rid of him. Let me say this, and this is the question that I asked Trent Baalke. One of the questions I asked Trent Baalke today. And in my mind, if they bring back Jamal Agnew, this is an example of exactly what I was asking. I've been under the impression that the way that Bulky always built this organization was for two years and then you'd eat dead money at the end and you'd move on from a player or you would restructure with a player. But if things have changed, and again, I'm, I, 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 hate to, uh, I hate to flip on you, I hate to waffle on you, but the confidence that came from Bulky today had me believing that the Jaguars could be 3-14 and 14 and he'll still be your general manager because Shad Khan believes in Trent Baalke. There's another side of me that thinks that this becomes twofold and that him and Doug are both going to have to win this year. Obviously, the Jaguars are going to have to win. If not, they're looking for uh, a new GM and a new coach. And if the latter is the part, then will you change your way of building this year's team unlike you've built it recently? Meaning... I'll worry about next year and two years down the road, dead money with a guy like Jamal Agnew if he helps us win this year. You understand where I'm going with that? I hope you do. I think Agnew's a guy that I would put in that category. I can't bring him back. He's 29. He gets injured. He costs too much money. Great guy. Great human being. But I, I, I And I know Parker Washington probably – Freaked you out a little bit, returning punts. But I just think that there are other issues that this football team has to take care of. So I think that that ends up uh, not being uh, where, in fact, they're going to go. Here's another one. Why would you assume uh, Agnew is gone? Just gave you that 24-44 for the reasons I just mentioned. He he does end up being a uh, a free agent. 50-22, Baloo. You're 100% on the money with your entire discussion about the absentee owner and the GM who just wants to uh, dance to the tune he thinks the owner would like. If you're not improving your fitting, that's in business and sports and everything else. It's true. Uh, But it's a magnificent approach by Trent Baalke. He has Shad Khan remembering all of these losing seasons. Okay? So 9-8 and 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 9-8 for Shad Khan is really good considering what this organization has looked like since he took over the reins, right? I mean, it's been, it's been the losingest franchise in the NFL since he took over. So going 9-8, and 9-8, and eight, uh, he's convincing them that they're heading in the right direction. And, and I also got to believe that him, bulky sitting down with Shaq Khan and saying, look what happened to Trevor Lawrence. Look at all those injuries. Absolutely affects that. 5744, Blue, the press conference today did nothing to excite me for the future of the Jaguars. 
Uh, we turn it to helm. We will never be better than we are now. Um, I'll accept that. Now, if you went farther and said you're not going to buy season tickets, I'd have to call you a liar. Okay? That I don't agree with because I've dealt with that forever. You're going to come back. 61-31, agree 100%, Rick. The offensive line is the heart and soul of your football team. He puts, uh, he puts that in quotes and then writes Tom Coughlin. Move Cam the right tackle. Who is he really? There's, there's a better chance of – I have a better chance of playing right tackle than Cam Robinson. I mean, there are certain things you cannot do in Duval, right? One of those is get down Bay Street in less than two hours before a Jaguars game. The other is Cam Robinson moving to right tackle. The audacity of that. This man was born a left tackle. He played left tackle in Papuana. He played left tackle in high school. He played left tackle for Alabama. And damn it, he'll only play left tackle for your Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, 76.50, boo, you're amazing. I love your truth. Yada, yada, I heard you. Ah, enough of that. I don't like congratulations. <clears throat> Uh, 52-62. JJ knows. I like being criticized more than the pat on the back. 52. Here's my pat on the back. I'm allowed in the door tomorrow. Okay? Because they never announce firings in radio. You just, what happened to that guy? What happened to that guy? I I just hope the the key works tomorrow. Uh, 22-05. Blue wasn't uh, Osiris Torrance on board last year when we picked up Strange. (laughs) Oh, my. He was. But this was a team headed in the right direction, you know? So let's fringe it. Let's fringe it a little bit and go with the tight end. And you re-sign Evan to a long-term deal. You got a blocking tight end. It was a, it was a bad pick. It's a bad pick. There's no other way to say it, okay? I mean, he had a bad pick the year before in Chad Muma. Every general manager makes bad. Look at Bill Belichick, maybe the greatest coach of all time. Look at his, look at his New England Patriot drafts as of late. They're terrible. They're awful. This is hard. You know, I, it's so easy to fire these guys, but just to assume that you're going to find someone who's going to come in and all of a sudden everything's going to be great. Uh, let, let me kick back here for a moment. Give me, give me an average, not above average, not excellent, not super. Give me an average general manager of this organization since it came into existence in 1995. I'm all ears. Give me one. JJ, can you give me one? I'm guessing Caldwell you would consider terrible. Um, who was the guy Smith before that? He was, was terrible. Gene Smith was worse than Dave Caldwell. There was one between them, right? No, uh, it went from uh, you know went from Shaq. Shaq, who I'm thinking of. So he was before Gene Smith, right? Uh, I was not here for that, so I'm guessing that didn't go well. 
Um, who was who was the GM when they were good in the nine, late nineties, early two thousands? It was uh, oh god, uh, he he took over the XFL, not the XFL, the USFL. It's on the tip of my tongue right now. I can't think of his name. I've interviewed him so many times. This is what happens when you get old uh, into the fifties. But it was basically Coughlin, okay, who had most of it. Uh, someone give me that name. Six four one ten ten. James Harris? No, that was Shaq Harris after. This oh, guy this, was, it says Tom Coughlin. Yeah, it was Coughlin, but this guy, it was Michael Hugh. Michael, Michael Hugh was more of the money man. Okay. More, more, that was more of the business and the money side of things, contracts, all that type of stuff. So you've either been very terrible or Tom Coughlin. <laughs> no. And why did Coughlin get fired? He didn't, he didn't understand or, Times have changed. I think he understood it. I think he just tried to do it and get away he with it. He just didn't care. And it almost worked. He almost won in 99. I mean, if you, if you do something like that and it works, I mean, I always look at the Atlanta Braves, who every year won the East but won one World Series with Bobby Cox. Would you rather, that, would you rather have that success or a Bobby Bowden top four success every year? Would you rather have that or be a team like the old Florida Marlins who are absolutely awful Year after year after year after year, but between a 13-year period, they won two World Series. Coughlin almost did that. Now, in the 90s, they were good. Obviously, 96, and, but in 99, you know, then I went up to Chicago after that game, and, and, and Tom lost his, uh, you know, his job a couple of years after the fact. But this organization is, has never had a good general manager. Honestly. So... You know, that's that's something else you got to consider here. It, 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 and believe me, I'm not a Trent Bulky apologist, okay? I'm not. But it's it's so easy to fire guys. Who are you going to bring in? You know what I'm saying? And and this thing gets, it gets really muddied if, if you really put in the time. And you look back at all of these draft classes, and you look back at all of these general managers, and we have nine more firings this year for head coaches. We have coaches coming and going and coming and going, regardless of what you heard today with Trent Baalke. And I know for a lot of you, for your confirmation, you need a list, right? I mean, come on, just give me a list, right? You're going to need that hot seat list. Hot seat number one is going to be Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Right after that? I think hot seat number two is going to be Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke. I do. I believe that that's going to be the case. But once again, who are you going to hire? All right. Outside of Tom Coughlin, Jack Del Rio did some nice things. Problem with Jack is that he thought he was the most intelligent guy in the room. I like Jack. Who have you had? that has been a successful coach since. Was Mike Malarkey successful? Was Gus Bradley successful? Uh, Doug Marone, hey, they caught lightning in a bottle for one year, right? And then the organization just dropped the ball with the Blake Bortles contract, through the Nick Foles contract, the refusal. I mean, remember the arrogance there with Coughlin and Cobble Refusal on the day that they signed Foles and you knew it was over for Bortles? Refusal? to state that they were wrong. There's nothing 
wrong with saying you're wrong? Why are people so offended by that? The great American people love it when their heroes, their leaders, at times will show that they're vulnerable, that they made a mistake. I was wrong. We never should have signed Blake Bortles to that long-term contract extension. I was wrong. Instead, you try to you try to camouflage it, right? You try to distinguish it and sterilize it and do it. No, you were wrong. Say it. Joe Sixpack, right? Guy who works hard all week. Afford Jaguar tickets. He appreciates the truth. So, you know, I'm not changing my my way of thinking about this football team. But the track record tells us, with Wayne Weaver and with Shad Khan, that it doesn't really matter pre-Coughlin, or excuse me, post-Coughlin, it doesn't matter who the coach is or who the general manager is. It hadn't been any good around here. And, 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 and what's really good? Nine and eight? I mean, that's really good. Nine and eight. I mean, literally, lightning in a bottle with these come-from-behind wins. Freakish, insane wins against Vegas, against Baltimore. Again, I mean, how did this happen? So, that you know, that's the other part of it all. And with an owner who's not available and not around. Again, if let's just say they got off to a terrible. Let's just say that the the, the 2024 Jaguars got off to a uh, a two and eight start, and it's like that's it, blow it up, blow it up. What are you gonna do? Well, I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to promote Press Taylor. Are you going to promote Mike McCoy? Are you going to promote your newly acquired defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen? Are you going to promote your uh, assistant general manager? Because there's no one else around. And what if you win a few games? Don't you love that? When it, and more of that happens in college than in pro. I guess Antonio Pierce, credit him, he got the job in Vegas. All right? But that's like worst case. I, Does I saw, that ever work, hiring well, I, the interim guy? I saw, we saw it twice with Odell Higgins, and I was, I was thankful. I guess looking back on it, they were one for, they were one for two. Odell would have done a much better job than Willie Taggart. Odell wouldn't have done a better job than, obviously, Mike Norvell. But I guess Coach O, maybe. Yeah. But guys guys who win late with the team. Very few and far between those those interims that become head coaches that end up working out. We, we talked about it about a month ago. Uh, the Michigan basketball coach, Freider, who left right before the tournament, and I think he took the job at Arizona State. And the man who replaced him got to the final – game against North Carolina, the Chris Weber timeout. Uh, that was uh, the Michigan basketball team. I can't remember 
I can, I, I can picture his face right now, but I can't remember his name. It was Bill Frader who left and went to Arizona State, uh, replaced by a guy that, that they went on and, 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 and won all those games. Was that the year, or was that – did he leave in 89? I think he might have left in 89 when they ended up taking on uh, Seton Hall. Steve the Fisher was Steve the Fisher. coach. In 89? No, 93. He oh. might have been. All right, well, so, all right, so it was uh, – I was wrong. 89 was uh, Ramil Robinson, the free throws. It must have been in 93. When uh, he took over, yeah, his- Bill Fre- Frieder, he took yeah. over for. Yeah, yeah. we got to take a break, don't we? We do. I don't want to take a break. I'm having so much. I'm having so much fun tonight. I feel like this is a. I feel like this has been a come together moment uh, with 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 Jacksonville fans. Is this, this Jag fans are better tonight than they were last night because you you have more to hold on to, right? And I'm pleasantly surprised by what we got out of this press conference today with Trent Baalke. I am. And uh, honestly, I thank him for doing it. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. That was an enjoyable day, no doubt about it. Trent Baalke press conference, that's always... Very intriguing. Uh, then got nine quick holes in with Derek Trucks and brother David Trucks. Derek just got back from a Grateful Dead reunion tour over in Mexico. Uh, Bob Weir was there, Mickey Hart, some others as well. He he told me it was absolutely sensational. And uh, he's on his way to the farm tomorrow in southern Georgia where they're writing, and then they're getting ready to get back on the road. We're going to have Derek on real soon. But he uh, he was listening to the Trent Bulky conversation earlier today, a press conference, along with his brother David. So uh, two huge Jack fans. Two good ones right here in the city of Duval. Uh, I have a special prize coming up for you right now. What do you got over there, JJ? I have tickets to see Shen Yoon. The shows are coming January 30 and the 31st to Jacksonville Center for the Performing Arts. Shen Yoon revives the thousand years of civilization through choreographed dance, music combining classical, Western, and Chinese instruments, and dynamic 3D backdrop. ShenYoon.com for tickets. Or uh, be caller number whatever. What do you want to do? Let's say caller number one, the amount of draft picks who actually did something this year <laughs> for Jacksonville. Oh, jeez. Yes, yeah, the future left tackle, Anton Harrison. Yeah, six four one ten ten. I actually think a couple of those kids have an opportunity here down the road. I, I spoke on, uh, you know, Parker Washington a little bit earlier. I'm not giving up on Tank Bigsby. Again, I would have had him in my top five last August. Brenton Strange, let's see. Uh, what's always going to affect me there is that they didn't address the offensive line enough. And, and, and there's many out there that are, that are still subscribing to the, to the feeling that if Cam Robinson didn't get popped, they never would have addressed the offensive line. I mean, how scary is that? It, 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 it's 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 literally it, it's petrifying. It's petrifying. If that's the case, um, 
You know, you got nothing out of Miller this year. You got very little out of Tyler Lacey. You got nothing out of Yasir Abdullah. Antonio Johnson may end up being really the hit of the draft class. You got to figure he's either going to be the second safety this year or he's going to be a nickel. He's going to be one of the two. And uh, that's basically it. I, I mean, I, it seems like weekly I get, I, I get the Cooper Hodges text. You know, and, I, and, I, and this is why I love Jag fans. Uh, th- there's, like a, there's like a portion of fans that are like holding out hope that a seventh-round injured right guard is going to be able to bring a lot of meanness and, and just take over as early as 2024. I mean, what are the chances of that happening? A seventh-round guard. I'd love to see it. I mean, a guy starting in the NFC Championship game was the last pick in the draft. I, I get it. This stuff does happen every once in a while. But you, you, you can't foresee it. You can't expect it. And that's all. That's wishful thinking. Seventy-one nineteen. Blue, the worst part is knowing that we'll be sitting here in 12 months doing this again with Trevor's rookie deal wasted. He's going to have to play better. He's going to have to play smarter. He can't take the hits that he took. That's on him. The the Parker Washington wrong route wasn't his fault. But he can't take those hits. That hit he took 30-6 to against Tampa, which ended up being his final injury, the shoulder. That's bad football. You have to be smarter. And I know they tell him. I know Mike McCoy tells him. I know that that room tells him. That's on him. I know he's trying to make a play. But he's hurting the organization more than he's helping the organization in a 30-6 to game to take a pop like that. Can't do it. Playoffs were, were still there for him. Uh, 7650 below. I love your show. Well, thank you. Thanks, Dad. Uh, <laughs> 2806. How about flag football for Fortner? Blue, your sarcasm is obvious. You must be a regular listener. I do, I, I do appreciate that. Double zero twenty says, Blue, it's fine if it's systematic. Who owns the system? <laughs> You know, Trent Baalke's the general manager. Let's credit him for not burying a player. But it's more than that. I actually think Trent believes it. I think the ego is, this was my draft pick in the third round. Fix it. That's a part of all this that that really needs to be discussed, and, and we have talked about it. The ego comes into play. When you don't, when you use a third rounder on Luke Fortner and he struggles, you need to fix it. When you use a third rounder on Chad Muma and he can't get off the bench, you need to fix that. Does it get to the point where he doesn't restructure Aloha Khan's deal this year? He just lets him go? 
and brings back all that money and, and, and puts it towards an offensive lineman because he's convinced that Chad Muma can step right in and play linebacker? Could be. That could be it. And that's an ego thing, right? Does he not pick up a fifth-year option on Travis Etienne because he believes, let's see Tank Bigsby get it 15, 17, 18 times again. What type of back is he going to be if he gets all lathered up? Could be. That's part of the ego that, that we don't know. Uh, Balky's the new Jack, <laughs> Jack Easterby. That's hilarious. Jack Easterby's a former boss of mine, as far as I know. Sort of a uh, Svengali, and, and he's got that hold on uh, Shad and Tony. I, I, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, Boo, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, to Balky would name it off. No, nah, I mean, he, he asked me a question. He said he'd like to know the names. I had many more names. Um, you know, he, he understands what's going on, but I, I all, obviously it's his job, but it's also my job, right? I mean, this is something that we spent the entire offseason talking about, adding a pass rusher. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, you know, tomorrow night's show. I don't know what to do. What do you think we should do? Uh, let's create something. How about Jacksonville adding a pass rusher? No, this was an on. These things are ongoing. My complaint about the soft offensive line, about adding a, a pass rush, I mean, these are things that we talk about all the time if you're a regular listener. So that's why I responded the way I did. All right, let's take our final one of the night. We have a winner? We do. Well, congratulations, Dave. Congratulations, Dave. All right, yeah, we got we to gotta bring in our buddy Rafael Esparza. Let's take a look at the money. Where's it gone so far this week? Championship Sunday coming up. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Vegas, baby, Vegas! Raphael Esparza, mybookie, mybookie.org. You can bet that.com really taking off. He goes into the night with Rick Ferrell. Hello, Raphael. How's it going? Everything's good uh, in these parts. All right, um... The presidential election is sneaking up on us. The the New Hampshire primary, the Iowa caucus, uh, uh, obviously uh, Governor DeSantis saying he's out. Uh, what are the latest odds to be the president in 2024? Yeah, I'm a little shocked that uh, your boy uh, bowed out. I mean, but, so or I, I thought he was going to at least wait to New Hampshire mm-hmm. primaries, but uh, Trump right now to win, uh, be next president, minus 120, Joe Biden's plus 180. Uh, Nikki Haley plus eight or eighteen to one, Newsom eighteen to one, Michelle Obama eleven to one. I mean, let's face it, it's a, it's going to be uh, two old men fighting it off again for uh, when it all is said and done, unless something weird happens with one of Trump's cases, which I don't see happening. Uh, I think it's just going to be between them two. Did you refer to DeSantis as my boy? Oh, well, Florida. You, you Florida. Oh, okay. Well, I'm from Boston, actually. And, uh, well, but you live we, in Florida. We vote differently over there than we do that. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so once again, right now it's Trump minus 120, and it's Biden plus 180? Yes. Whew. I mean, so, you know, help us out here. If, if, if you think Biden comes back on this, you got a chance to make, 
some pretty pretty good cash by by putting a few dollars on that right now. Yeah, and, but if I've been telling people, if you like Biden betting wise and all that, I say wait because I think the momentum that Trump will probably have coming into this stuff that's going on in Texas, the the mega supporters. I would not be shocked if we see Trump go creep up to maybe minus 160, 180. We see Joe Biden maybe plus two th- or plus 230, plus 250. Uh, I would think that would probably change. Like I would think in the next couple of months, we'll see more MAGA money coming in. Wow! Didn't un- I, I thought this may be as high as it would go. I didn't understand it would get that high. Interesting stuff. So we'll ask you again down the road. All right, let's get the championship Sunday. Uh, has anything stood out this week? Uh, a lot of money coming in on one side, or you know, perhaps uh, a total early on. Baltimore money's been coming in. Now it's pretty much a solid four. There's one three and a half. That's over at Caesars. Everyone else has minus four. Uh, so that one kind of shocked me. I thought we might see three maybe move the juice around when it came close to kickoff time. I think that one stays at four, maybe three and a half. Total is 44 and a half. I don't see anything different in the total in that game. Uh, I, we, I can't believe we're going to be rooting for Kansas City for books. I'm not. I'm going to be the big Baltimore Ravens fan because I did not want to do a thousand Taylor Swift betting profits for Super Bowl weekend. Uh, but I think Baltimore is probably going to be one of the bigger, bigger favorites of the uh, of Sunday for betting wise. How about the weather at uh, Levi Stadium? We saw it really affect Brock Purdy a week ago. I know wind is usually the thing you look at most, but if if there is rain in the forecast, how much could you see that change things here with Detroit? With the understanding that you know Detroit's an indoor team, but they do play cold weather games every year in Chicago and in Green Bay. Yeah, certain old weather, maybe some wind, but nothing like like 30, 40 mile per hour winds. I thought you you're dead on. I thought the rain hurt the 49ers last week against the Packers. Packers playing horrible weather all the time. You, you saw a lot of slippage from San Francisco. Purdy struggled. Uh, I think it's all about Debo. If he plays or not, did he run with him being on the field? Their offense runs smoothly. I like Detroit plus the points. We're probably going to see seven. I don't think we're going to see seven and a half. Uh, unless for some odd reason ridiculous money comes in San Francisco. Now, if you live in Reno, you're going to see seven and a half or eight. Uh, but I think we're going to see seven. I like Detroit plus the points, but San Fran wins by four points. San Fran wins by four. Interesting. All right, tell us about you can bet that dot com, and you got a lot, of, a lot of interesting props and uh, and all sorts of different things you can play there. Yeah, I got the SAG Awards on here. We're getting ready to post up uh, the Oscars. I'm doing some different prop bets. I have a whole bunch of stuff for a Royal Rumble tomorrow. Now that the Rock is pretty much in cahoots with UFC and WWE. He's on the board of directors now, so got some interesting stuff. And his daughter might surprise, uh, be a surprise entry into Royal Rumble, so it's going to be a difference. But yeah, it's all about the NFL Conference Championship this weekend. Or Sunday should be fantastic. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl? My prediction, Baltimore, San Fran. San Fran would be three-and-a-half-point favorite. There you have it. Hey, as uh, we let you go, as expected, it took some time, but Harbaugh, to the Chargers, a surprise. It's not Belichick to Atlanta. It's Raheem Morris. How did things go at the window with both Belichick and Harbaugh? Lost out of Harbaugh, cleaned up on the Belichick going to Atlanta. I heard Belichick wanted to do a lot, then I think Atlanta wanted to just give him uh, and stuff like that. I like the Raheem Morris hire, uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I like that one. But who would have thought uh, we have three powerhouse head coaches that are not going to have jobs uh, when all said and done, that's that's pretty ridiculous that Belichick could maybe be on TV more than coaching. Maybe he'll coach Navy. They need a head coach. Hmm, interesting. Maybe he'll sit out a year, recharge the batteries, and return. But, uh, yeah, I thought that he would end up uh, there in Atlanta. All right, tell us about my bookie. 
Yeah, so it's it's all about NFL conference championship. We're excited. It should be a great, great, great two games. I know I know the bosses want KC and the networks want KC in San Francisco, but you already know who I like. Should be a fantastic Sunday. Don't forget to jump on board my bookie win now. Always a lot of fun, Raphael. Appreciate it and best of luck in all your plays. Take it easy, a fantastic weekend. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. I absolutely love my Key GMC Sierra truck. Just absolutely. Uh, The love affair continues as well. The GF with her Buick Enclave, which is from the good folks over at Key. It's right across the street from Tinseltown, Southside and Gay. Plenty of 24s are in, also 23s. Uh, that are still there, incredible incentives, and, uh, you know, just go by there and talk to the good folks. Brian and Derek, they'll they'll help you out uh, no matter what it is that will fit your budget. That is Key Buick GMC. For, to me, it's all about Trent Balky and his press conference. I, I thought today was a really good day uh, for Jaguar fans. Um, we learned a lot today, more than I expected. Uh, the most prominent thing that was learned today was that Josh Allen isn't going anywhere. Okay, whether it's a one-year franchise or it's a long-term contract, he is back. I cannot say the same about Cam Robinson. I cannot say the same about Calvin Ridley. It also feels like there's a real good chance that Anton Harrison could be the left tackle. This football team, according to Trent Bulky, needs to get bigger, stronger, and more physical. And when it comes to the offensive line, don't finger point. It's more systematic. And that is the issue. And that issue needs to get fixed. And hopefully that is the case. But overall, yeah, that was a real good day. Um, him coming out and, uh, and speaking to us uh, got a lot of things that I didn't necessarily know if, uh, if we would get. And we were able to hang on to that today. So more will come from this perhaps tomorrow during our Friday show. And, you know, we'll see what else uh, is going to happen. Uh, We are also waiting officially on, you know, more of these assistant coach, uh, these assistant coaches to come in. There there was a report today that, that Colby Smith interviewed for the Jaguars running back job. Okay. Uh, That came in a little bit earlier today. We talked about Matt House yesterday and, uh, you know, some of the other uh, reported scenarios that have uh, happened with the Jaguars as far as their defensive coaching staff. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Hacker Nation is up. He is back. He is at least healthy enough to be here. I was hurting 24 hours ago. You were hurting two days ago. Yeah, it, for me to call in sick, I called our boss man, and I think he was stunned because I don't remember the last time I've mm-hmm. called in sick the day of a show. But it's an uh, honor to be with the star of the press conference today. I've gotten more texts about your question to Trent Balky about uh, uh, why didn't you sign a pass rusher, and he's like, well, I'd like you to name some of them. And you start going, okay, uh, Van Noy, Houston, Genevian Clowney. Uh, people got such a kick out of that, and you were spot on. It was a great question to ask. Well, it was interesting. Now, if I'm not here tomorrow, it's not because I'm sick. It's because I'm <laughs> suspended uh, as we are the home of the Jaguars. But um, I, I, I don't know. It, it was interesting. It's almost as if he thought that in our position we wouldn't know those names. Yeah, I, I thought it was weird. The whole press conference to me, 
you were there. I wasn't. I was worried about getting a room full of media sick, to be honest. I was still running a fever as of this afternoon. It broke early this evening, which is why I'm here. You tell me, the Josh Allen question about have you begun negotiations with him, and Balky looked at the PR guy for a second, and then he goes, no, we haven't. That was weird to me, right? I mean, why do you even have to look at the PR guy before you answer that? Yeah, you know, I didn't notice that. If you looked over at John Lever, I must have missed that. But, you know, I guess his answer kind of swayed people. I think that that's just negotiations. That's his job. Josh Allen is responsibility number one mm-hmm. with this football team. To come out and say we haven't begun negotiations, I don't believe that. I don't either. I, I just think it's a situation where, listen, I have been pretty transparent. I'm not going to give you everything. I'm not going to tell you where we are with Josh. That's what I read out of it. And look, you believe the guy for what he says. Uh, you take him at his word, I suppose. I just know there's a lot of smoke around some of these stories, and I commend you and I think Gene Fournette and guys that were there because you did ask him questions that people wanted the answers to. Uh, I hope he was forthcoming with the information. Otherwise, why hold a press conference? But I think if you did not like Balky before that press conference, you probably feel the same way. And if you thought Balky's done an adequate job, you probably feel the same way. I don't think that press conference, Rick, changed the narrative on him in the fan base one way or the other. Uh, you look at him, he feels pretty secure about where he's at, and I don't think he is worried about what we say. I think he's aware of what we say. I think he's got Shad Khan convinced that he's the right man for the job. Yeah, and, and look, I'm going to get more into this uh, based on your question. I, I've thought for a while now the reason that they did not bring in a veteran pass rusher is that would prove that Trayvon Walker was a bad pick. This should not have gone number one. Okay. And I, I thought if Balky brought in a Clowney or a Van Oy or a Leonard Floyd, he was admitting that he made a bad pick at number one, which is an arrogance situation, not incompetency. I don't think Balky's incompetent. I think he's arrogant on certain issues. Now, Trayvon Walker started doing better down the stretch, which helps Balky's argument, but that has always been my thought, is that he did not want to bring in a veteran guy because that makes Trayvon Walker's pick look bad. Yeah, and Bill Shuey stuck around. And what happened, Josh Allen had a career year, and Walker, uh, you know, Trayvon Walker had noticeable improvement. Mm-hmm. And he's the defensive coach. You know, the others were uh, quality control and the assistant uh, defensive line coach. So, uh, you know, if you're just trying to piece things together, that makes a little bit of sense as well. All right, uh, so you have that coming up. What else? Yeah, a ton on Trent Balky, former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts. We'll stop by the program as well, and we'll continue our Championship Sunday preview. Nolan Bianchi, uh, no relation, I asked. Nolan Bianchi of the Detroit News, not related to our buddy Mike Bianchi in Orlando. Oh, I thought you were talking about one of the Hillside Stranglers. <laughs> no, he's going to join us. He's actually already in San Francisco for the Detroit News. Went out there a little early, so we'll get a Lions 49ers preview from Nolan coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Yeah, forget about Mike Bianchi for crying out loud. I'm talking about, who is it? It was Buno and... It was Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Buno Jr. The combined effort of serial killers, the Hillside Stranglers back in Los Angeles. Thanks, Rick. Have fun. Hackers up next. That'll do it. Appreciate it as always, people. I do not check the text line now that the show is over. But you can always get me on Twitter and or X, Blue1010XD. Oh, thank you to Raphael Esparza. Tomorrow night we're 6 to 8 for J.J. LaSelva. I am the truth teller, Rick Ballou. Have a great night.